0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Numbers. The Old Testament book of Numbers and Numbers chapter number 12. The book of Numbers and Numbers in chapter number 12. We're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Moses, and as we're now hitting on the downhill slide, we're focusing more on the narrative part, and as we hit the book of Numbers, we can see once again the action picks up. We start in the beginning of Exodus, and there's a lot of narrative. He's dealing with a Pharaoh. They cross the Red Sea. They start going through the wilderness wanderings, and then it kind of stops as we get some of the laws, the Ten Commandments, these other things, but as the book of Numbers now progresses again we can see the traveling of the children of Israel through the wilderness wanderings and we're still at the very beginning it's still the first year so one year has passed they're now working on their second year and other events start to happen so again just rethink about this that they've only been wandering for over a year now that's it they still have another 39 to go but they're still very early on here And start to notice all the complaining and all the issues that they're already having at year number one and two. It's going to be a long 40 years for these folks. And so if you don't mind, let's pick it up in the book of Numbers chapter number 12. The book of Numbers chapter number 12. And notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number one. Numbers chapter 12 and verse number one, the word of God says this. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, saying, Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud, and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and he will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house? With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb." And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Numbers, chapter number 12. The book of Numbers, chapter number 12, and notice the phrase at the very beginning, Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. And with the Lord's help, we're going to see this event here. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, I thank you that we could trust you. And Lord, with all the stuff that's going on and... All the things that are trying to be a distraction. We're just asking that you would help them to set them aside. That we could pay attention to your word. That we could listen to your voice that you speak to us. That you could help it apply. Lord, with a message like this, I dare not teach it myself. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you now. And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. Please, Lord, you get the work accomplished. You make it understood. And you make it so this is a help and a strength to this church. And We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Miriam and Moses, er, Aaron spake against Moses. What a horrible event that occurs here. And yet this event is repeated many thousands of times throughout history. Even to this day. This idea of speaking against God's leadership and the person that God has placed as leadership. If you don't mind, as we break down this passage to learn about it, the first thing I want to show you is the assistance complaint against leadership. The assistance complaint against leadership. Now, at this time, in this event, this is not talking about some random person out in the crowd. It's not talking about the congregation. This is talking about the assistance to the man of God. The people that are there in leadership, Miriam and Aaron. Aaron's the high priest right now. Both of these people have been tasked to be working alongside with the man of God. And It's them that are rebelling. We're not talking about the the crowd. We're talking about his brother and sister. The people that are supposed to be close to them. People who are enjoying some influence. They're the ones that complain against Moses. In fact, this is a principle that is uh, very common. It is very, very, very hard to be the second man. To have the man of God and then someone assisting with him. And the reason why it's so hard is that the longer that you serve with someone, the longer that you serve with them, the longer you serve under them, the harder it is to stay submitted. The harder it is to follow, not easier. Now you'd almost think it'd be easier. Man, I've been following this preacher for a while. Man, I've been with him for a long time. It's so easy to follow him. It's not. You say, why not? Because the longer that you spend time with a man of God, the more that you realize he has feet of clay. The more that you realize that all he is is a sinner saved by grace. Let me give you a reminder, I'm a sinner saved by grace. There is nothing special about me. The only thing is that God has. God is the one who's put me in this position. God's the one that did it. I'm a person like you are. I was saved the same way you are. I have the same issues that you do. There is nothing perfect about me. And by the way, the qualification of a pastor doesn't require perfection. One thing that I ask folks is don't put me on a pedestal because I don't want God to knock me off my pedestal to teach you a lesson. But there is a principle that the longer that you serve with someone the harder it is to follow because you see his feet of clay. Someone said this, Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. The closer you are with someone, the longer you serve with him, the more you start to see the person's flaws. You start to realize he's not perfect. And by the way, you're not perfect. However, as long as the biblical leader is following the Lord, you should be willing to die to self and follow them as they follow Christ. So as long as they're following Christ, you should be able to follow with them. And be able to overlook, there's going to be mistakes. There're going to be things that made. <coughs> but when you're dead to self, it's no problem. The problem is that when you start comparing yourself to someone else, you could always see flaws. Always see flaws. Now Miriam and Aaron had reached this point. Notice if you don't mind as we see this. It says, Miriam and Aaron. By the way, whenever God places things in order, it's always for a reason. There's a reason why he put Miriam first. And it's because the complaining started with her. And so God is holding her responsible. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. So they speak against Moses and they find something to complain against. So therefore, they have in their minds a legitimate excuse. This principle is found throughout the Bible and throughout history. What is this principle? That when people don't like the message, they have to find something wrong with the messenger to void out the message. So if I preach something that someone doesn't like, the normal response, unfortunately, is to find some problem with me. And if they could find a problem with me, then I don't have to listen to his message. Well, let me tell you, it's very easy to find problems with me. And by the way, if you think you found some problems, I can tell you more problems that I have. All right? It's very easy. But this is what always happens when all else fails, blame the preacher. If you could, people have in mind that if they could find something wrong with the preacher, Then they feel like they don't have to listen. May I give you an example? I had once a a family that went sideways on me. And so me and a a man of the church went to go visit the family. And we tried to go talk with them. And uh, we wanted to find out what was wrong. And she said, preacher, I I just can't stand it that you say that you're a liar. Every week you say that you're a liar. Well, I was kind of confused at this. What do you mean? She goes, Every week you say, uh, when you give the plan of salvation, you say you're a pastor of a church, but you've told lies and other people have told lies before. And every week you say that you're a liar. And I just can't stand having a pastor that's a liar. Well, the whole point was that we're all sinners and followers. But you see what happened? Because she did not want to listen to something I said, she focused on a flaw. By the way, if that's, that's the worst she could find, then I wasn't doing too bad. All right? But she found the one thing and felt she was justified that she didn't have to listen to anything else I said because she found one flaw in the messenger. You know what? Even if there is lots of flaws in the messenger, it doesn't change the message. And that's what we're judged by, by God's word. As the messenger, all I'm doing is telling what he told me to say. It's not even my message. It's his message. I'm just the messenger boy telling everybody what God said. This is what God says. Well, Miriam had gotten sideways with Moses and dragged Aaron into it. By the way, Aaron's always getting dragged into it, right? Remember the golden calf? The people made me do it. I just put it in and it came out. It wasn't my fault. Aaron's always getting dragged about, so... He's, once again he's in trouble. So Miriam starts off and their complaint is against Moses's wife. Notice this verse number one. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they're sideways and they're blaming his marriage. Now we the Bible doesn't go on and explain why this is a thing of contention. There are three ideas of what had happened. First of all, because Moses was married to Sephora. He didn't marry one of the Hebrew people. He married uh, (laughs) Jethro's daughter. And who was a priest of Midian. And so some people say it was because of Zephora. And you know what? Zephora's just, she's the one that's controlling Moses. And you know, Moses, you shouldn't have that wife there having so much control. And so they're blaming that. That's theory number one. Theory number two is that we have to realize that Moses is 82 years old. It could be a possibility that Zephora has died. That's realistic, right? And that it could be that Moses Remarried, and now <laughs> Miriam and Aaron are upset with his brand new wife. I don't, I can't believe he got remarried. Don't you understand? You're supposed to be single for the rest of your life if your husband. You know, we don't know. Third idea comes from um, a tradition. A tradition states that while Moses was still working with Pharaoh in his first forty years of his life, that there was a military campaign to Ethiopia, and because of his leadership, they won the victory. But part of the spoils is that he was ceremonially uh, arranged to have a political marriage with this woman uh, in part of it. And the tradition says he didn't consummate it. It was just a political marriage in name only. And so it's (laughs) possible that Miriam had drudged this up, something that happened 40 years ago, to accuse him. That never happens, right? Where someone will judge up something 40 years ago and throw it back in someone's face. And so we don't know what happened. These are three ideas. All we know is that for some reason they have a bone to pick with Moses and they're picking his wife and they're going to town and accusing them on this. Notice what they've been saying. Verse number two. And they said, Miriam and Aaron, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses. Hath he not only spoken by us and the Lord's heard this? By the way, this phrase is going to pop up a couple more times all throughout the book of of Numbers. But here's the idea. God speaks to me. Why do I have to listen to him? And so the idea was, I don't have to listen to what you say. God speaks to me and I don't have to have you. Well the thing is is that God placed Moses there. Moses is a sinner saved by grace, he had flaws. The only difference between him is that God placed him in that position. With a pastor, a sinner saved by grace, God's the one who placed in this position. And when we come to the idea here is that <coughs> with the um with the idea of complaint is that they're trying to say we're we we do not have to listen to Moses because he's flawed and I can listen to God for myself well God always works through biblical authority always works through biblical authority but notice Moses didn't complain note verse number three is an important one talking about the character of Moses now the man Moses was very meek Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Now, remember, meekness does not equal weakness. It's not talking that Moses was a weak man. Stop it, guys. Don't pick on me. It's not that type of thing. Meekness is defined as strength under control. Moses could have done something about it because he was in authority. He could have done something about it. He also had God's ear. Don't you think if Moses prayed to God said, God, just take him out? Don't you think that God could have and would have? But Moses said, I'm gonna let God fight my battle for me. It's a direct attack against me, but we know that the problem's not with me, it's with God. So I'm gonna allow God to take care of it. This is the idea, he's meekness. When he's being attacked. By his own brother and sister. But he's being attacked by leadership. Not just regular folks. He's being attacked by leadership. He's saying, God, I'm going to let you take this. I'm going to let you fight my battle for me. And by the way, God will. And he did. So the first thing we see here is the assistance complaint against leadership. The next thing we see here is God's defense of leadership. By the way, the end of verse number 2 should be a very frightening uh, phrase. And the Lord heard it. Let me tell you, there's one thing that is clear throughout the Bible. God defends biblical leadership. And when you attack biblical leadership, you're attacking God. And God heard it. And God heard it. Moses didn't complain. He didn't pray. But God heard it. Notice with me in verse number four. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and to Miriam. Hey, remember Aaron and Miriam just saying God speaks to us. And God says, all right, come here. Uh-oh. Come to the principal's office. Uh-oh. Moses, Aaron, Miriam, come here. And so they approach to the, to the uh, tabernacle of the congregation and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle and the congregation. And they three came. And the Lord came down in a pillar to the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called or Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. Now, can you imagine this? Have you ever been in trouble and sent to the principal's office? Nothing like being sent to God's office. So God says, Aaron, Miriam, Moses, come here. And they approach the tabernacle. (laughs) And God came down in a cloud. And his presence is there at the door. And while it's at the door. God says. Aaron. Miriam. Come here. Okay. And they take a step forward. Waiting to see what God's going to say. Remember. God speaks to us. All right, God's speaking to you. How do you like it? Verse number six. And he. Who says he? That's God. And God said. Hear now my word. Words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make himself known unto you in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. What we understand by what's being here is that when God calls someone, they know God called them. All right? God's calling is without repentance. It's very clear that God calls it and the call of it. There is no place for self appointed leadership. God always works. As we apply it to here, we understand within a church there's only two jobs to do. You're either pastoring a church or helping someone pastor. Because when it's all said and done, it's the pastor that's going to stand before the Lord and give an account. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls as they must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief for this is unprofitable for you. But in that verse, it says, obey them that have the rule over you. Why? For they watch over your souls as they must give an account. The Bible says that the pastor of the church is going to give an account. Now, somebody can say, I could be the self-appointed leadership. Well, fine, you go give the account to God. How do you want that job? Most people say, I don't want that job. Well, then don't try to take it. But God gives the responsibility of the pastor to oversee the church. Now, because the pastor cannot do everything, he has people assisting him. You know why we have Sunday school teachers who are teaching kids on Sunday morning? Because the pastor can't do the job. But the pastor has to give an account for that. Does that make sense? And so he uses people to assist him. That's why there's only two jobs of a church. You're either pastoring a church, meaning you're going to have to give an account to God and you're being directly responsible for it, or you're helping someone do what God has given them to do. Does that make sense? By the way, it's not a lesser thing. It's an idea of function and order. Someone has to be in charge and that person in charge is the one who has to go give an account to God. Everyone else is helping that pastor get that thing accomplished. Self-appointed leadership is just going to cause problems. God always works through biblical leadership. And so Miriam and Aaron, their responsibilities was not to lead the people. They were supposed to help the leader lead the people. Does that make sense? And God's calling him out on this. He's telling them listen here, if I called you to be the person to lead this, I would have told you, you lead the people. But I didn't do that. I told Moses, and it's Moses' job to lead the people. Does it make sense? In fact, that's exactly what God says. Notice what he says in verse number 7. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house? With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. He says, listen here, I called Moses, and when I talk to Moses, I speak to him directly. I don't use you to go tell pastor what he needs to be doing. I will talk to him myself. Does that make sense? Kind of like the lady who who sits in the church and says, Pastor, you know what my spiritual gift is? My spiritual gift is criticism. And so no matter what you do, I'm going to find out what's wrong. I'm going to help you. Thank you for being a blessing. I had a lady once, <laughs> I know she was trying to be a help, but sometimes it didn't seem <laughs> like any public speaker, sometimes you get in little traps. Earlier in my public speaking days, I would get a word and I would stay on it and I would say it over and over and over and over and over. And I'd try to work on it, but her job, instead of listening to the message, she would write the word that I have and tally off how many uh, times I would say that throughout the message. And then afterwards and said, You know what, you want to know how many times you said this word? Well, oh, tell me it'll be a blessing. Thank you. <laughs> Did you get anything from the message? Well, I got from the message that you said 27 times. You know, Thank you. It's a blessing. You understand. God speaks to the man of God. Now I understand there's people he could influence and he asks for advice and whatever else, but when it's all said and done, the man of God is supposed to be working with God and God's supposed to direct his path. Does it make sense? And somebody who doesn't have that job, their job is not to help correct the pastor and put him on the right path. Does it make sense? especially, and we're talking about if a pastor is following the Lord. If a pastor is going off thing and teaching false doctrine, then dump him. <laughs> Get rid of him, stop him, whatever else. Try to be loving about it. You understand. But if he's following after God, then pray for him that he follows after God. Jonathan Edwards was a man used of God in, uh, to help bring about the first great awakening. And Jonathan Edwards... When he became the pastor of a church, uh, they were, had just finished having a very dynamic speaker. But when Jonathan Edwards became pastor, he would read his entire message word by word in a monotone voice. And the people listened for a while and they were a little bit disappointed because they were expecting a fiery preacher. And so they pulled him aside and said, Pastor, we're disappointed with the preaching but you are a pastor and so we have banded together and we've agreed that we're going to fast and we're going to pray for you and pray that God does something. He says, well, thanks. And so, of course, he went to pray and fast. God, you got to do something. And so the next Sunday, he went up with his manuscript and he read it word by word. But something happened. The message is sinners in the hands of an angry God. If you've never read the transcript of that message, it's amazing. But what happened? Revival broke down. He preached that message and people would almost trample each other to come to the altar to get saved. What happened? The people decided they were going to pray for their man of God rather than criticize him. And that went so far. Isn't that amazing? That's the way to handle it. If there's something the pastor's doing wrong, of course, you have the open door to say, Pastor, I don't understand why you're doing this. And to be able to say it, remember, submission's not silence. It's saying the right thing at the right time at the right place with the right spirit. But for some reason, he doesn't listen. You cheat. You go tell daddy. And God can direct his man better than someone else. This is how God works in biblical leadership. And God is defending biblical leadership. And He's telling Aaron and Moses, I didn't, or Aaron and (laughs) Miriam and Aaron, I didn't call you to lead the people. I called Moses. If I called you, I would have told you, this is what I want you to do. But I speak to Moses, and I'm going to direct him, and I'm going to deal with him. And you had no business to do this. In fact, notice God's words. He said, Wherefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You know that I speak to Moses. You know I speak to him face to face. By the way, they'd have been apparent. Remember, Moses is still wearing a veil because he'd been speaking to God. He brought down the Ten Commandments. He's brought down the law. They've been building the tabernacle. It is evident that Moses is following after God. And God says, if you know that he's following after me, why were you not even afraid to speak against him? Meaning that this is a big deal to speak against the man of God. It is a very big deal. Not because the man of God is something special, but when you speak against a man of God that God placed in leadership, you're speaking against God's leadership because God placed him there. This is a big deal. When you complain against leadership, you complain against God's choice and God's decision. God, you were wrong to put him as the man of God. Who wants to tell God that he was wrong? That's not a good choice to be in. And so, how was God's response? Verse number nine, and the anger of God was kindled against them, and he departed. So, he said, t- Moses, or er, Aaron, Miriam, what are you thinking? I didn't put you in charge. I put him in charge. If I put you in charge, I would have told you. What are you even thinking? You know I speak to him face to face. Yeah, I can see God. <laughs> Why weren't you even afraid to speak to Moses? And he got mad and he took off. His presence lifted up. Wow. That would be a pretty intense meeting, Right? But notice what happens now. The third thing I want to show you is consequences for speaking against leadership. Consequences for speaking against leadership. Notice with me in verse number 10. And the cloud departed off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Ariam, and behold, she was leprous. Now, leprosy was an ancient disease. It is still around but nowhere near as life-threatening. In the ancient world it was a very life-threatening disease. Leprosy was a type of disease where a bacteria would eat your flesh. And you would have pustulars and big blisters that would pop and pus would ooze out all over and that would be easily infected and you would, your skin would be discolored. You would be sickly in just a walking disease of infection. And so God took off and the clouds looking up, Aaron's looking up and he looks over to Miriam almost to say, it was all your fault and look. She is diseased. Instead of looking beautiful as she was, she's now diseased and infected. Oh man, leprosy was a death sentence. It was uncurable in those days. But yet, leprosy was something that God used as a punishment for a particular sin. He did it for Gehazi, for lying. He gave him leprosy. For Uzzah, who was the king, who was a good king by the way, for invading and trying to do the priest office when he wasn't supposed to. God gave him leprosy. And Miriam for speaking against God's man. God gave leprosy to all three of these individuals. This is a big deal. You know, Moses needed a veil to hide his glory. But she needed a veil to hide her shame. Now, Aaron didn't escape during this time here. She was, put with, um, she was put with leprosy, but Aaron's job as a high priest was to look at her and declare her unclean. Could you imagine to be able to say, I'm sorry, sis, you're no longer fit to even be in the congregation. For leprosy, according to the law that had just been given, lepers had to be put outside of the camp and they could no longer stay within the camp unless they were somehow cured. So Aaron had to look at his sister and basically say, you can't be here anymore. You can't stay here anymore. So his punishment was to have to judge her and look at her and declare her to leave. That's a hard thing to do, especially for someone as spineless as Aaron often was. He had to do his job. There was no getting around with it. She couldn't hide it. He had to declare her unclean. Well, Aaron immediately looks at Moses, verse 11, and Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly, wherein we've sinned. He's confessing a sin. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Moses, do something about it. So Moses prayed. Verse 13, And Moses cried out unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut up from the camp seven days. After that, let her be received again. So God says, Listen, we're just not going to let her get away with this. There's consequences for the action. And it was done publicly, and so the consequences are publicly. Uh, There was a thing that if a father had spit in a daughter's face, meaning it was an idea that she had shamed him. Because of her shame, she had to be removed. There was a consequence for it. Well, Miriam had to go live outside of the camp for seven days. Far away from everyone, a day's journey out in the wilderness all by herself. Now, after the seven days, she was cured. She had to come back and go to the high priest, who happened to be Aaron. He had to examine her to make sure all the leprosy was gone, and then declare her clean. But again, that was part of his job. God is saying here, listen, if her earthly father was displeased with her, how much more should she be ashamed if her heavenly father was displeased with her? And so let her go. Well, after the seven days were completed, she was cured, she was accepted, and this matter was dropped and never brought up again. God says, we're going to deal with it. It's dealt with. It's forgiven. We don't have to bring it up over again. Let's move forward. Aren't you glad for God's forgiveness? That no matter what we've done, he's willing, if we confess it, to drop it, set it aside, and allow us to move forward. What a wonderful God. You say, what? <laughs> what do I do with all of this? We'll always be mindful of God's leadership. It is always of our flesh's temptation to find something wrong with leadership so we don't have to obey. But God uses biblical leadership to direct our path. That's one of the blessings of leadership, to have that safety net, someone to love you enough to say what you're doing is wrong. Now, they're not doing it because that's something they enjoy doing. There's not a single person I know who's right with God who enjoys telling someone they're doing something wrong. It's not something we enjoy. But it is something that's necessary. Whether through it's the preaching or through discipleship. I'm sorry, this needs to be fixed. This is a problem. Well, you could either get sideways and say, listen here. I can do whatever I want. I can Or you could say, you know what, God's trying to speak to me. Remember, God speaks to us in three primarily ways. First of all, and primarily, is through his word. Secondly, God speaks to us through other Christians. This is why preaching is so important, because God can use me as an instrument to speak to you to help direct your path. This is why we have Sunday school teachers and disciplers. Is that God could use them to help direct your path. To lead you on a plain path. To help guard you. To point things out that you don't see in yourself. Remember, we all have assets and liabilities. We all have things that that we have wrong in our life that we cannot see for ourselves. That's why God has someone else to look at us to be able to say, this is wrong. Why I didn't see this? Well, I'm pointing it out to you now. okay. It's not a mean act, it's a loving act. But he helps point these things out to direct us and to move. Then thirdly, he speaks to us through circumstances, but that's the most unreliable part. He uses those circumstances to back up what he's already said through his word and using other Christians. Does it make sense? But primarily he speaks through his word, but he also uses biblical leadership. Other Christians to speak to us to direct our paths. Now it is a loving thing. <laughs> None of us love correction. But if we want to follow after God it is something that's necessary. We all have things that need to be fixed. We all have things that need to be fixed. God uses preaching to help direct our path. He uses the teaching of others to help direct our path to point out some things. We could you could tell a lot about a person by how he accepts rebuke. A person who loves the Lord is thankful when someone corrects them. But someone who rebels and, listen here, and arches their back, you learn a lot about a person by how they accept rebuke. God uses biblical authority to help direct our path. If we rebel against that authority, authority can't help us. Once again, Hebrews chapter 11, or verse 13, chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls, as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, for this is unprofitable to you. It is profitable to you if a biblical authority is able to say, listen, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Let me help you fix this. And you say, thank you for helping me. They could do it with joy. But when you fight them, that is unprofitable to you. Because at the very least, they don't want to tell you anymore and you're not going to get fixed. Does that make sense? This is a blessing. Now, <laughs> I'd rather not have to preach on this stuff, but it's next up. And by the way, It's going to pop up over and over and over. Why does it pop up over and over? Because this is our default flesh. We don't like the message, so we have to find something wrong with the messenger. This is age old. This always happens, and it will continue to happen. It's something you have to guard your own self about. Because I guarantee, give enough time, because we're preaching the whole counsel of God, I will say something that will step on your toes. And you'll have to make a decision how you're going to respond. Is my preacher following the Lord? Does he love me? Does he want my best? Then I'm going to accept what he said. Does it make sense? And I hope you realize that Pastor loves you. And I hope you realize that I want the best for you. And because of that, hopefully you realize that I'm trying to walk with the Lord. I'm not perfect. But I'm trying to follow the Lord. As long as I'm following the Lord, it should give you confidence that what's, what we're trying to do is try to be a help. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness.